You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The 2016 presidential election taught us about many different types of voter suppression, including on social media. Have we learned anything from that? A year ago, the federal government was warning state election officials that Russia may once again focus on voter suppression to interfere in the 2020 election. So what does that look like? Are we prepared to stop it? Joining me to discuss digital voter suppression is Vox senior video producer Joss Fong. Hey, Joss. Hey, Teddy. So voter suppression is illegal, right? Well, voter suppression is a pretty broad term. It basically describes efforts to prevent or reduce voting, and that can include illegal action. So intimidating or threatening voters, that's illegal. Uh Um, But I think the term is also used for efforts to make voting more difficult that are not technically illegal. And what we've seen throughout U.S. history is that those efforts tend to disproportionately affect minority voters, especially African-Americans. So while the Voting Rights Act prohibits racial discrimination in elections, we still see that Black voters are targeted for various forms of voter suppression. And so online, on Twitter, on Facebook, and YouTube, they all have policies that explicitly sort of ban misleading information, right, about voting procedures. But voter suppression can take a lot of different forms beyond just misleading information about procedures. Can you explain sort of the ways in which digital voter suppression works? That's right. You cannot tell people on Twitter or Facebook that the election is on November 4th when it's really on November 3rd. Uh, You can't tell them that they can vote over texting. Uh, Twitter and Facebook say they will take those posts down. And you should definitely report those if you see them. What I think is a lot sneakier and what I think is a lot tougher to prevent is what you might call voter demotivation messages. Mm -hmm. And those are posts that encourage people to boycott the election, uh, posts that say that voting doesn't matter, that the candidates are identical. Um, These are posts that just generally foment cynicism about the democratic process. That's not illegal. It's not against the policies of the social platforms because it would be really hard to tell if that was, you know, someone's genuine opinion or if it was a vote suppression campaign by a political operative. Gotcha. And this specifically sort of affects Black voters often, no? Yeah, I mean, if you look back to the 2016 election, as we know now, you know, the Russian government and their uh, notorious internet research agency had a massive campaign to flood Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram um, with posts from accounts that were posing as Americans. Um, The platforms were completely unprepared for it. And then in the years following the election, researchers have sifted through all those posts And one thing they realized is that a big part of that campaign was encouraging racial tension specifically and demotivating Black voters. In fact, the Senate Intelligence Committee report on this concluded that there was no single group that was targeted more than African-Americans. And why would that be? Like, why would Republicans or 
outside forces supporting Republican presidential candidate? Why would they target black voters specifically? I think if you think sort of strategically from the point of view of, of a political operative, they have to weigh the costs and benefits of trying to discourage people from voting. So they want to discourage people who they are fairly confident will not vote for them, but they don't want to discourage people who might actually support them. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the data and you look at all of the demographic groups, you know, across age, income, gender, race, um, there's no group that supports the Republican Party less than black voters. You know, they've uh, Republicans have gotten maybe single digit support from black voters in the past few presidential elections. And so people favoring the Republican Party might conclude that they don't have a lot to lose there by um, reducing the black vote. And in fact, in 2016, the Trump team explicitly used the term suppression campaign to describe how it was messaging to black voters. And they weren't necessarily telling black voters not to vote, but their campaign was very much focused on portraying Hillary Clinton as a racist, um, as opposed to trying to make the case why Donald Trump would be a better candidate for them. Mm -hmm. And of course, in a, in a close election, we don't necessarily know how much of an impact that made, right? But in a close election, there's a thousand reasons why someone could lose. Exactly. It'd be really hard to separate out the various factors that played a role in the reduction in the black vote during uh, 2016. The voting rates were down relative to the years when, you know, Barack Obama was on the ballot. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't have a good way of saying, you know, this voter suppression campaign had this specific effect. But I still think it's useful to look back at 2016 and look at the tactics that were used because it can give us a sense of what to look out for this year. Taking a step back here, can you talk about how voter suppression toward Black voters has worked historically? And how is that different in the digital age or the sort of digital-specific voter suppression? So voter suppression has historically needed to be targeted to be effective. And it's been possible to target Black voters through things like uh, voter ID laws or purging the voter rolls in certain precincts. And that's because of residential and economic segregation. So, for example, since Black voters are more likely to be lower income, it's harder for them to obtain certain forms of ID, and so a voter ID requirement disproportionately affects them. And residential segregation means that you can target voter suppression with things like robocalls, so with area codes. We saw this year that the residents of Detroit were receiving calls telling them that if they vote by mail, then their personal information would be shared with law enforcement to check against outstanding warrants. Um, but social media is a segregated place too. I mean, if you think about it, we tend to interact with people like us. We uh, join groups or follow accounts that reflect our interests. And so I think that provides an avenue for people to jump into those conversations, whether just through you know, replying to tweets on Twitter or you know, posing as a, an account and joining a group. Um, and that's not even to mention the targeted advertising tools that these platforms provide. So if you pay a price, you can drop a message directly into the feeds of very specific groups of people. You know, Facebook provides zip code targeting, cultural interest targeting, age, and so on. What did this look like in 2016, for instance? Yeah, so we saw one ad from a um, inauthentic account that was encouraging voting for the third party candidate, Jill Stein, um, which is pretty clearly an attempt to move votes away from Hillary Clinton. And that ad was targeted on Facebook with the interest category of interest in African-American history. And so using the tools that the platform provides, they were able to sort of target that specific voter suppression message. 
Have you seen any evidence of tactics like this in 2020 or have we gotten past it? Well, we know that there are various foreign uh, influences that are interested in meddling in the election in different ways. We also know that the platforms have gotten better at identifying foreign networks of inauthentic accounts and pulling them down. You know, they know what kind of fingerprints to look for. Um, So the question is how these operatives will adapt. And, you know, it really is an arm race forever. And I think it's going to be important specifically in the few days or the week right before the election to keep an eye out because that's when we might really start seeing these voter demotivation messages. Yeah. Is there a way to sort of spot a fake account that might be posing as an, you know, Black Lives Matter account or something like that? I think it'd be really tricky to know. You know, I I went on the Wayback Machine and looked at some of these fake accounts from 2016. And, you know, they're posting links to Huffington Post stories. You know, they're posting true stories about police brutality, about, you know, cultural news. Um, It'd be really hard to tell them apart as an individual. You kind of need to analyze the metadata. You know, you have to be these platforms in order to detect it. So I think the most effective thing to do is just really be wary of any post that is discouraging voting. It doesn't mean that it's some sort of political operative behind it, but that is the kind of thing that they'll be trying to do. Joss Fong, thanks for explaining us. You can watch Joss's video about digital voter suppression at Vox.com. Thanks, Joss. Thanks so much. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.